Welcome to the Down to Business Podcast with Alex Kirby, where entrepreneurs and small businesses come to stretch themselves and grow their company. From interviews to in-depth discussions, you'll learn how to market effectively, increase profits, and become the leader your company needs you to be. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, everybody. It's Alex Kirby, host of the Down to Business podcast, where your business is our business. We talk about, as you know, if you've been here before, things in the areas of business, finance, marketing, and everything in between. I hope you guys are doing great today. We are in the studio having a great interview today. I think it's going to be one of our best uh, with my brother, Zach Kirby. Zach, how are we? I'm good. How are y'all? Do you like to go by Zachary more? No. Zach. I don't know a single person that calls me that. You know what's funny? I still don't know if you're, I know you're an H at the end, but mm-hmm. I always want to spell it with a K. Everybody does that. I don't know Here's why Here's the that trick. Is. Nobody spells Zachary with a K, so why would you spell Zach with it? I know one guy. Well, who spells Zachary with a K? Yeah. Shout out to Zachary Wallach, who yeah. went to high school with me. But um, no, thanks for being here today, Zach. And so a few of you guys have um, reached out and listened. Zach, Zach can, can talk about himself, but he just got through a crazy time. Um, with COVID, and that's an understatement, right, Zach? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's also one of the top realtors in our city. Um, top realtor is at least under thirty. Let's say that I can go with that. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're killing it. He's been uh, he was a teacher, um, realtor, investor, done a ton of stuff. So uh, today we're going to be talking, you know, guys, about organic marketing real estate realities and falsities, um, and then just how uh, events can affect your business long-term. So, Zach, thanks for being on the show today. And uh, tell, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, uh, 30, 45 seconds. Yeah, so like you said, I started as a teacher, um, was teaching middle school history. Um, lucrative. Yeah, very lucrative, making $1,800 a month. Um, People would never believe that. Never. And that was my take-home. That wasn't my salary, but that was my take-home. $1,800 a month. About, yeah. You know, an apartment in San Francisco costs like $2,500 a month. Yeah. Well, and that's how I got into real estate. So uh, I bought a house with the help of my parents in college because the USC rental market, which is crazy, um, and it was literally cheaper for us to have a mortgage payment than to rent an apartment downtown. Um, So that's where I got started. And then after teaching for a year... I didn't want to do student loans anymore. I was going to get my master's, so I got my real estate license to pay for that. Um, and very quickly started making much more money than I did teaching on my side job. That was You were how old when you quit teaching? I, I did three years of that, so I was 25. It was 2019. And, there's, and it's funny because there's a lot of people who've talked about this, like, teacher evacuation. Yeah. And people are like, well, that doesn't make sense. You get summers off. You get the holidays. But they don't realize, like, can you just just explain to people what a teacher's day looks like? Because when you explained it to me, I'm like, what? That's not what you're being sold on a teacher's day. But yeah, kind of so go through that. We started our day at 745 was like the latest you could check in. Because um, the school I was at, we had homeroom in the morning. And so I had to be there to meet the kids when they came off the bus and make sure. I was at a low-income school. So sure. the biggest concern was making sure they weren't fighting and doing inappropriate yeah. things before right, right. they reported to class. Um the and then from seven forty five till three thirty, it was full on with kids the whole time. Um, we had a planning period, which is what it's supposed to be, um, but at least three, if not four, days a week of that was full meetings to full planning. Yeah, so not real planning. Yeah, so I was lucky to get an hour a week of full planning. Sometimes if the meeting would end early, I'd get an extra fifteen minutes a day. 
Um, okay, three thirty ends and yeah, what? and then that way I taught eighth grade. So the way we worked is we had our planning first. So that means I taught back to back five classes straight Man. from ten to three thirty and over class like over stat like over. Oh yeah, I, mean, I was I had many, like one hundred and thirty four students. Crazy. Yeah, and then you got so three thirty, and then you're at school till what time? Like doing X Y Z after. I was different. I normally would leave quickly, but mm-hmm. that's because I'd go home and work. I didn't like sitting in the classroom in an mm-hmm. empty room and working. Mm-hmm. Um, normal teaching is working at least to an extra three or four hours at home between doing the planning we didn't get to do at school, grading papers. Grading papers. See, that's what people don't understand. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And you're getting paid, it, but that, you're getting paid dollars a month. <laughs> and, and there's no real way to earn a raise except time. So that was, so the teaching profession is, yeah, it's, it's a step system. So time served is the joke I use. And then masters, you get more educated or you stay longer. No matter if you're as good of a teacher as the 20 year vet. It does not matter. I know that's, what's crazy. So for people who wonder why our public school system is going down the tube, it's because it's a broken one and it makes no sense. Well, you know, a lot of teach there is a, there's that limit of value based like you talked about there's there's a value limit there yep. it's the work I'm doing is not worth what they're paying me no not even close um, as much as you feel called in the profession people have their limits as, and you did you love teaching mm-hmm. but you didn't like the business side of teaching and the and yeah the, I couldn't do the bureaucracy the bureaucracy yeah. so then you start doing real estate yeah what made you what was the who, you remember the first time you thought about doing that I wanted to do it in high school. Okay. Um, but Why? having seen our parents, I just really loved houses. I was mm. always nosy about when I'd go to people's houses and wanted to look around mm-hmm. and see what it was like. Um, but seeing our parents as small business owners, really the idea of doing that scared me growing up. Mm-hmm. And so um, our grandmother had been a teacher. And so mm-hmm. my thought was, this is safe. I'll do this. Um, and very quickly couldn't do it. <laughs> so then what, do you remember the conversation or person that convinced you to go take the test? Yeah. Um, is that my lady's names? Oh, yeah. It was another local agent. Her name's Crystal Wallace. Um, uh-huh. I've known her my whole life. She kills it on um, Lake Murray on the election side. She kills it. She does about 12 to $14 million a year in sales. Um, she sold me my first two houses. And after that second one, uh, the, second pro- the second house I bought, my first investment, um, the conversation, basically, Zach, you're good enough for this to so just do this on your own. Mm. You, didn't, you didn't need me for this. Um, and she really encouraged me to get into That's it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So you did it 25, 24? Uh, no, I started after my first year of teaching. Okay. So, so I, I got my real estate license the summer of 17 and then still taught for two more years okay. and did real estate Just part-time. 22 years old. Yeah. Okay. And now f- kind of give people a little bit of understanding of, and then we'll get into the content of mm-hmm. the real estate stuff. And then now what's your career been looking like for the last four years? Yeah, so full-time, I left the classroom in June of se- of 19, so mm-hmm. the school year before COVID, praise God. Um, <laughs> literally, praise God for that. Um, and so kind of, I mean, it really just ramped up insanely. So I've, I've it's different because I was part-time for two years, but I've been lucky enough that I've doubled every year since I started. Crazy. I mean, you're, you're to the point where you're producing nuts. I mean, we don't need to talk numbers on here because yeah. people, but... Your numbers are crazy, and, and yeah. you're not even 28 yet. No, and I don't feel like I'm at capacity yet either, which, which is crazy. Is, which is crazy, but you also work pretty hard. Yeah. So, okay, so let's kind of, let's talk about the real estate stuff. Mm-hmm. There is, if you've ever turned on Instagram or TikTok, if you've logged in, Real Estate 101. I mean, yeah. every day there's this guy, I don't know his name. I love Ryan Pineda a lot. Yeah, um, I do. Right. I do like him. I don't necessarily love the debt stuff. But his mentality, his mm-hmm. faith, his team focus, his marketing is incredible. Yeah, he does very well. Um, 
he, his he, hustle too. I mean, he started at the bottom like most of yeah, us. Yeah, he played big professional baseball forever. Anyways, so I like Pineda. I see him everywhere. But there's like, I feel like every time I open an app, there's some other guy saying he's a, a guru on how to do house flipping. Yeah. Or how to wholesale yeah. or whatever. Wholesale. What is it? What has it been? Yeah, wholesale. What has it been like in that space where, because real estate's weird. So anyone who doesn't understand real estate, here, here's something I I think. You've got your stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. who has her license, who sells two houses a year to her friends who go to book club with her. Mm-hmm. No offense, book club members. And then you've got the dude who is selling a house left and right every day, maybe doing some type of weird deal every day. He's doing 100 transactions a year. Yeah. What is the middle ground? I feel like a lot of people don't realize where's the middle there. What's the average real estate? Give us some of these statistics and then say what your weekly schedule looks like yeah. because I feel like it's either looks lazy or luxurious and yeah. it's neither it's really mostly neither of those. Yeah, two. most of us operate in the middle ground. Right. Um the real estate statistics are very skewed because it's very easy to become a real estate agent. Hmm. Um, I can't use the word realtor. That's actually protected. That is its own category. Um, to get your real estate license, it's very easy. It was a three-week class. Um, caused the whole process to get, I mean, obviously starting a business was more expensive, but to get licensed is less than a thousand bucks. Is it a hard test? I didn't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some basic algebra, which throws a lot of people off, mm-hmm. but I didn't find it difficult. But so when you look at the real estate statistics, nationally, the average realtor or real estate professional only makes like 50,000 bucks. Okay. But that includes thousands of agents, like you said, who are doing one deal a quarter so they can go to the Bahamas this summer with their kids. Or, yeah, or money. when grandma dies, I'm going to sell her house and when my brother gets a house, I'm going to sell his and I won't do anything for five years. Right. So those numbers are pretty skewed. If you look at full-time agents, um, I don't know any full-time agent who's doing less than five to seven million a year in sales, which is about one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand in commission. Jeez, dude. Yeah. Um, you don't know any who's really working a full-time hustle. Yeah. A full-time, like that's hard to believe. Yeah. I You're mean, saying, oh. it's easy to make money in real estate. I know it's. I got to well, be right careful saying is, that. The correct. last twenty-four months, it we're is. in a crazy market where if you've got a sphere of influence and someone with a pre-qualification letter from a lender, I mean. It's, sells the house, sells itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're hearing about these things sight unseen, and yeah, we we saw Zillow blow up, and they. Yeah, I had an it. agent just yesterday who I wanted to show a house. Um, I reached out to this agent about here's what my client's situation is, and their response was essentially, "No offense, there's no point even showing up. We've already got it been listed for four hours," and her response was, "No offense, you're not even." something we'd consider. We've already got enough offers that we're going to go for one. That's crazy. Yeah, so it was a four-hour window. I mean, there's no chance. None. So anyways, let's not get into yeah. that. But so so, anyways, you're doing extremely well, and you've been working your butt off. What do you feel like, because you did it pretty quickly, um, what do you feel like was your, diff- we call it the DF, your differentiating yeah. factor. Yeah. Okay? That's what we've been saying for like a month on the show, right, Chris? I, I love that because that – What's your success point there? Because you've you've done some interesting things that we'll get into on the marketing mm-hmm. side, but what do you think is you, you like if someone were to say what's the Zach Kirby difference? What do you think your value is that m- maybe other realtors don't do as much? Not ever, but as much. Yeah. Um I would hope 
it's ironic or it's coincidental, I guess, that I would hope my clients would say uh, my teaching background has come into play. Is I, I like to educate my buyers specifically on the home buying process. A lot of there are there's certainly a market for real estate professionals who say, I take everything on for you. You don't have to worry about a thing. I'll just handle it, which is great. But I found a lot of people want to know what's going mm -hmm. on. That's their biggest purchase they'll yeah, ever I mean, make for the most part. That's what I tell people. No matter how expensive your house is, it's probably the most expensive thing you ever bought. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's a $50,000 condo or a half a million dollar house. You know what's interesting about this? I just clicked. It's also the thing you'll spend the most time in. Mm -hmm. So something usually your most expensive purchase is a car, mm -hmm. and you actually don't spend almost any time yeah. in it. You drive to work. Especially now that people aren't commuting for work. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. You spend very little time in a car or like a vacation home. Yep. But your home, you're spending, I don't know, what, 30, 40% I mean, of your day? Yeah, at least sleeping in it. That's a third of your week. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's crazy. I didn't think about it. I'm never, yeah. until we're talking about it. So you're more on the educational side. But yeah, I'm on the educational side, and I'm on I'm on the... What benefit do you think does that? that is? Uh, people like to not feel talked down to. People like to feel like they're in the know. I love that. Um, talk down to is huge. Yeah, my other thing is I... It's different because we're believers. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of community-based sales. Mm -hmm. So you're not this home that you're buying is not for you selfishly. It's for the community that you've chosen I to like build your Christian walk with. I like that. Um, and so that's been a huge part of my business is having clients understand there's a difference between this house is for me to consume and enjoy by myself versus be a part of something. Being a part of a community that I'm I love, investing I love in. That. Yeah. That's a great marketing tool. Yeah. Um a byproduct because you're not doing it for marketing, but that's a great, yeah. because then they're going to, so, so for our listeners who are in other services and trades, um, that's something great to think about is when you're doing a job or doing a, uh, a sale or whatever, it's not just for your customer. It's for the betterment of everybody mm -hmm. around. So when you're beautifying a property, it brings home values up mm -hmm. hopefully over time. And when you're uh, pressure washing a home, <laughs> that guy, okay, I want to talk about that guy. I've gotten deals from him. Dude, I know. Uh, uh, Paul, was yeah. his name? Mr. Paul. Mr. Paul. All right, for our listeners across the country and the globe, we have listeners in Australia, Canada, Zach, everywhere. Um, there is a guy who is Paul Taylor. Yeah. He is killing it. He is on social media. He, he does pressure washing, guys. And uh, shout out to David Mormon up there in Canada. Revive, revive washing, right? That's our boy up there, Chris. Um he is pressure washing all the time, mm -hmm. and he also does lawn care, I think. Yeah. I think he does that, too. Um, he subs that out for the most part. Does he? Yeah. But, but from what I, I've seen him on Facebook recently, mm -hmm. I saw yesterday, you comment, he'll post a picture he pressure washes. It's a mad frenzy to figure it's out where it is. It's a frenzy. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, so people, uh, listeners, this guy will post a picture he just pressure washed on uh, online that's about to be sold by a real estate professional. And the and agents it's swarm. <laughs> it's not on the MLS yet or yeah. like whatever. And the agents will all blow his Instagram of uh, his Facebook up and be like, where's this house? I want to see it right now. So this pressure washing guy is like the source of the next best house in your area. Cause he's, he's so he's, bizarre. He's accidentally found a loophole and we've talked, I've, he's a good friend of mine. I talked to him probably every other week. Yeah. Um, he's accidentally found a loophole. Real estate agents cannot market a home before it's on the MLS. But he can. It says nothing about your pressure washer putting a house that he just cleaned online. So here's what's crazy. He and doesn't so get he's kick got, back. No, and but but he makes these amazing relationships with realtors, correct. and they let him wash every house. Yeah, dude, he's it's so smart. So that's a he's like, had to stop tagging people because it's been 
not harmful, but it's, it's hey, why didn't you tag me? Agent, in this well, one? agents getting blown up yeah. for listings that they have coming that aren't even close to being ready to market. You know, right. they got the house clean, but they weren't going to list for another three weeks. He posted that one yesterday. He posted like a. I'm break. showing it tomorrow, <laughs> dude. It's nice. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Anyways. I say that to our listeners, that's organic marketing yep. that he is doing. It's really smart. He's not paying for professional he's photos. Not, it's on his, it's, it's a, a crooked it's picture of a house iPhone on his iPhone. Crooked. Yeah. Yes. And he's getting realtor after realtor who says, Paul, will you wash my house? Yep. Paul, and dude, he's, he's washing house for me next week. Is he? <laughs> I mean, he does like 50 a week. It feels like, uh, he'll cram out a, more than that. He's crazy. Is he by himself? Uh, his son's helper? helping him now. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's got a second dude. truck. I yeah. had to bring him up. Paul Taylor. Shout out, dude. He is so cool, you yeah. know, and that's what we talk about on the show, Zach, is on the marketing side is it doesn't take a huge marketing budget, which I do have a really cool call today with a guy um, in Dallas um, for pure marketing. We, he is doing f- upwards of three to five million dollars. He's never done marketing. That's how our parents' business was. Three to five million. Ve- he's done very little marketing. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, I told him today, I was like, man, I can't wait to call you to put fuel on your fire. He's already got a great fire. So anyways, this Paul guy who spends no money on marketing yeah. is what I'm trying to get at. I think he does have a nice truck though, right? Tr- Very truck nice. Wrap, truck wrap? No, actually. Wow, that's crazy. Very um, nice truck. It's not wrapped. But what a, what a great organic marketing. And we and so many people think Facebook is dead for marketing right now. Totally wrong. I just totally disagree. Is it the best source? Absolutely not. It's not the it best source. It shouldn't be your only source, but it's still a source. Yeah, but if you're not posting on Facebook, which is free to do, mm-hmm. you're absolutely crazy. Like, no offense to anyone, but you got to be posting on Facebook next door. All the things that are pretty much free, knock it out. We've been doing it. Logan has been posting for Trifecta, um, landscaping company. But anyways, so that's a really interesting. So talk about a few things you've done. So we talk about organic and guerrilla marketing on the show yeah. um, a lot. We we obviously have a marketing agency we run, a uh, staff of five people, but – we're very open, honest, and transparent about you shouldn't spend money on marketing until mm-hmm. you reach a certain threshold and you can do it organically. You have done some of the most creative, and I mean this not just because you're my brother, <laughs> some of the most creative organic marketing. Uh, talk about a few of those and why you the, pro, the thought process behind it and did it work? Yeah, so um, I do a couple of things um, that a lot of agents do, but not consistently. And consistency is the game. So we do these things mm. called pop buys. Wait, let's not move past that point. That consistency is the game. Consistency is the game. Yeah, you cannot. A lot of agents love po- postcards. They'll send a postcard one time and then ask why no one called them. Mm. It's a consistent game. So, I love that. That's um, the title there today. That's consistency really good. Is the That's game. so good. No, because it's easy to, before you get going in your thing, That's, I can't move past that point. Um, well, just to elaborate, so I do postcards. I'm actually really big on mail. A lot of people aren't. I do a lot of direct mail. Um, I handwrite my um, address cards, and I hit my. I have three markets that I target. I hit them six times a year. Six times. So it's not a. I I sold this house last year. Yeah. Here's my one postcard. It's I've six times a year. I'm hitting that market. Tell a good story real quick before we get into it about someone that called you after they've gotten your third one. Yeah. So I just it happened. I'm sure there's um, one. I'm assuming my best one so far happened this summer. Because uh, postcards aren't immediate either. No one's going to get your postcard in the mail and in the their driveway game. call you. Playing the long game. Um, a woman had gotten my postcard. This was in July. She'd gotten it the November before. So I guess that's wow. about eight months. Eight months. And she just slapped on the fridge and never thought twice about it. <laughs> um, yeah, never once thought about it. And uh, she had a really phenomenal three-bedroom, one-bath close to downtown. 
Um, and one day her and her husband just got in a fight about the one bathroom. She goes, we're done. I need a second bathroom. Um, she called me. Um, I had a buyer for it. So without ever listing the property, I sold it to my buyer. So I got paid twice on that one. And then we sold her a new bigger house in um, a different part Off of town. Off a postcard. Off a postcard that cost me 37 cents, cents plus a stamp. Yeah. That's if that. crazy. Yeah. And that's, again, it's not crazy though, because yeah. the more you're in front of people mm. and you're in the community, they see you on Facebook, they get your, see, here's what people don't realize. It's called the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Okay. They get a postcard. They're like, I think I've seen him post yeah. on Facebook. And they're going to be like, I'll slap it on the fridge. Yeah. And you just keep being consistent. That's how billboards work. No one's ever seen a billboard and immediately called that number. No, you're right. It's so you remember yeah. in the background, I've seen that person before. I, we're like, I'm we're, not a billboard fan, but that's the yeah, science behind we're it. We're a little bit on the redneck side of marketing, but yeah. we call it static marketing. Yeah. Like, it's some of the worst money you can spend mm-hmm. uh, that you can measure, but there is some value yeah. to it because. The familiarity. Yeah. Um, what did I see recently on a billboard that made me... Th- oh, I can tell you the billboard I've seen in our city around for a month. John Maxwell's, um, the speaker, John Maxwell, mm-hmm. he's come to speak at yep. one of the colleges. And because I'm familiar with him from other things and I've seen the billboard, I can tell you I've seen it yep. many times. Um, couldn't tell you any other ones, though. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Anyways, so... But yeah, so, so I'm, I'm big on mailers. Mailers. Okay. Um, my other thing that I do, we call... In the real estate world, they're called pop buys. It's when you pop by and visit your past clients. Um, you let them know you're coming or you just kind of show up? Uh, I'll do a Facebook post to say these are coming out this week, and they'll see that, hey, Zach's going to be delivering these sometime this week. Okay. Um, if it's my really, like, top-tier referral partners, I'll let them know, hey, I want to speak with you. I want to catch up. When's a day I can come by the house? Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to do those once a month. Really, it turns into more like eight times a year. Um, but it's, wow. you know, yeah. Wait, all of your past clients? Yeah, we do 60 of them. Well, not every single one, because um, some sellers naturally are moving out of state or they're moving to a different city. Right. Um, we do about 60 a, a what's time. What's the value there? Um, in terms of my cost or no, why what's am the, I doing it? Why are you it? doing it? Um, real estate's a referral game. I could, I could... Trying to be on the front of their minds? Yeah, I can constantly be trying to find new clients, but the real business is someone who did business with me, enjoyed my business, and thinks I did so well, they want my their friends to use me as well. Squeeze the juice out yeah. of the melon you already have. Yeah, uh-huh. and I tell people all the time, yeah. it's the best way for you to help my business is to trust me with your referrals. I just was in a, a, a course the other day, and it was talking about that. It's more... It costs a lot more to acquire a new customer mm-hmm. than to squeeze the juice out of the yep. customer you already have. So anyways, talk about the pumpkin thing you did. Yeah, you did so, this amazing pumpkin campaign. So I'll tell you, I actually stole that from a different agent. I um, love it. It was when I moved to my, I'd switched offices about two years ago. And we're, hey guys, we're asking him these stories because you should be generating thoughts right now on marketing things you can be doing in your business. As Every industry can do Popeyes. It's not real estate specific. In any of these things we're talking about, do a ver- think about variations that fit for your business. But yeah. go ahead, Zach. So I stole it from a different agent in the office that I'd moved to a couple of years ago. Um, and now, I mean, our whole office, we are between our office, we probably sell a thousand pumpkins. Ex- explain what it is. Um, it's, we do, um, in the fall, we send pumpkins to all of our clients. So they've got one ready to go for their front porch. Or if they it. have kids, I'll send a couple of small ones. Um, if they've got kids and they've sent me multiple deals, I'll send the pumpkin so carving smart. kit with it. Um, and it's just, it's just a way to be in the season that we're in yep. and to give them something that can help them per- feel like they're prepared for that season. It. It's such a good marketing tool. It's yeah. so affordable. Um, it's what they're going to already be buying, yeah. but then it puts your stamp on it. Yeah. I think that's a great marketing piece is 
Marketing is not, a lot of people think when they think marketing that they're getting advertising. You don't listen to the show, we explain the difference. Marketing is strategy, process, and plan. Mm -hmm. Advertising is implementing. A lot of people think, oh, I got to throw myself everywhere. And what you're talking about is something they already were going to buy. And now you're like, I'll just put my stamp on it. And if they, it, it yeah, makes I them take think that pressure away from me. I love it, dude. Um, you've also done another cool campaign. I'm trying to remember. If I remember correctly, you tell me the other unique campaign you did last yeah, year. So the pumpkin is the most visible because they're large. You know, you see them. I send out about 150 to 180 of those in the fall. Um, we just did this weekend, we did our Valentine's Day one. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. T- talk about that. That was a great idea. Um, so it's not complicated. We go to the we go to Walmart and you get for a, <laughs> Walmart. a dollar, you get the 10 pack heart shaped box of candy. And um, my assistant, who's my our mother, um, <laughs> crafts these really cheesy but cute little signs that say, Your referrals are the heart of our business. Oh, yeah. um, and we go and hand them to my clients. So that's what we did this weekend. Um, this one was a little different. We picked our top 50 biggest yeah. um, referral partners, not just yeah. past sales. Um, and yeah, I mean, for that, that whole thing cost me $62 in a tank of gas. Yeah, and a couple hours of time. Yeah, and, I've, and you know, I've, since I've, I've probably had 12 or 13 text messages since then. Thank you so much. I ate the whole thing at once. <laughs> you know, I've got you if someone ever needs anything. Someone had a broken heart. Yeah. <laughs> That's so like that. All right, let's transition. I, this marketing stuff, killer. You're doing such a good job. So hopefully our listeners- But it's consistency. If I just yeah, did Valentine's and pumpkins, I yep. wouldn't do it, but I do eight of those a year. So we're uh, getting ready for a spring one. It's challenging me. Yeah. I'm thinking about like stuff for my companies already that challenging me. Because it again, our main point of this show is to talk about marketing in a tangible and authentic mm-hmm. way. It doesn't have to cost that much money. No. It doesn't. It costs time, effort, and focus. Correct. All right. Let's kind of talk about your last eight weeks. Yeah. Have been... Um, <laughs> really normal. Just <laughs> Yeah. So a reason why I want to bring it up is I think... I know I didn't know a single person for two years that had a bad case with COVID. Yeah. I didn't know anyone. I had one guy that I bought my wife's wedding ring from, mm-hmm. a great dude, Mr. Blackman. Rest in peace to you. I, I'll see you in heaven one day, bud. Um, he's the only guy. He's a, a, a booster at my college, loved the baseball team, mm-hmm. had me over for dinner many times. He actually, Zach, you don't know this story probably. When I started Trifecta Landscaping, he uh, posted um, January. In February, he called me to come up to Newberry and do all his, all his stuff in his property. That's awesome. And I had no, like that was five six hundred bucks, and at the time that paid for my bills for like yeah, three was, weeks. Yeah. And he didn't have to do that. Um, he passed away from the same thing as like same. He had worse medical complications mm-hmm. than you had. He had some like medical diseases. He was fifty, I think. Um, but it's kind anyways, of the seven degrees of separation. I know people who know people, but, right, I, had, but I had not been personally not, affected. No. Yeah. And a lot of people on the show, I think. I think sorry, Chris. Um, I think a lot of people that listen have the same thing. Yours came out of nowhere, and kind of talk yeah. about what the heck happened, and uh, yeah, tell yeah, your story. So tell your story a little bit. The real estate profession took COVID really seriously in the beginning, like everybody did. We were in people's homes, uh, you know, in their children's bedrooms if we were showing a house, and so we were really cautious about it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, towards the latter end, as things kind of laxed up. I mean, I'm in I'm in at least five or six hundred houses a year, um, and so kind of the thought was. Not that I'm invincible, but if I hadn't gotten it yet, I was probably fine. You know, I'd been in hundreds and hundreds of homes. Right. Um, but it hit me out of nowhere. I gone, I'd had um, dinner with a friend, some friends from church, the Wednesday before Christmas. Um, then Christmas night, I've started running a fever. Um, 
Tuesday after Christmas, I tested positive for COVID. Thursday, I went and got x-rayed thinking I had pneumonia and it actually came back negative. Which is ridiculous. Um, and then Saturday, I, which was New Year's Day, I was hospitalized and turned out I had had double pneumonia and didn't know it probably for at least a month. Um, and so it's the, funny because you made a comment. Yeah. You had made a comment like a week before, two weeks before, excuse me. That said, maybe I, I, mean, I haven't had this cough for a month. Maybe I have pneumonia. Yeah, ha, jokingly, ha. and I was—I had scheduled a doctor's appointment for after the new year, right? Um, but so, um, you know, went in the hospital that Saturday of the new year. Um, the COVID was not the killer, so to speak. It was the pneumonia almost took me out. So in the hospital Saturday, Tuesday, I got put into a medically induced coma. Scariest day of my life. Yeah, and I was in that for six days, and then and scariest day of your life. Yeah. I blacked out that day. So ironically, it was, I don't remember any of that day. I remember a lot, but not that day. So you um, get put into, uh, on the ventilator. Yeah. Into and a I, coma. Yeah, there was 36-ish hours where I don't remember. I was blacked out. Um, but even in a coma, I could still hear. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Keep yeah. going through um, the process. But yes, yeah, so I was in the coma for six days. Came out of that coma. They brought me out of it on Monday. And you came out of it way quicker than they thought. Way quicker, yeah. Um, if I'd been in it one more day, they're going to have to do what's called the tracheotomy where they cut your throat open and you know, stick the tube down your throat. And, um, oh, my God. And then I was... I didn't know that. I was home in two and a half days after that, which was crazy. I mean, I was supposed to be in the hospital at least so another two or three weeks. let's break this down, okay? Let's break this down. You... What's crazy is we knew you had COVID. Mm-hmm. So coming from our perspective as family, and you knew you had COVID, but mm-hmm. you didn't think, it was, you're like, okay, I got to rest, stay at home. When it was what? Omicron too, which is the war, right. the least. What, you know. what happened from Thursday to Friday? What happened from Thursday to Friday where you knew something was wrong? Because yeah. as you just sped past that, our listeners, I mean, you they told us yeah. on your chart mm-hmm. you were going to die. Yeah. I heard the doctor saying that to me in my coma. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But. Yeah. So the gist of it was um, when I went to the urgent care, because my primary doctor was closed for the New Year's. Right. Um, they sent me home with, they said no pneumonia, but with three different um, cough medicines that I had to take. I mean, I was like, their regimen was like 12 pills a day. I was taking a lot. Um, and I was like, I can't, this is too much for me. I was, um, and so I went to stay with my parent, our parents for a couple mm-hmm, of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had bruised a rib from coughing. I'd pulled a muscle in from coughing. Um, and that was like the worst of it. I thought, um, but that Saturday night I took a, you know, we'd watched movies at the house and had dinner and I took a shower and two hours later, I still couldn't catch my breath from the shower. Um, you knew something was wrong. I thought I was just tired. And so I was trying to just go to bed, but our mother, who's thank, very stubborn. God, I mean, yeah, her stubbornness saved my life. Um, God, she had that, that oxygen thing that goes on your finger. Um, and about every 15 minutes, she'd come in and stick it on my finger. And at one point she did, and I dropped like 88. Um, and I told her, just let me catch my breath. I just took a shower. 10 minutes later, she came back. I was like 82. Man. Um, and she called the ambulance. I didn't want to. She well, called the ambulance. Thank God she did because yeah. you turned bad quickly. Quick. Yeah. And, uh, wasn't it Monday morning, like 2 a.m., that you got put on the ventilator? Um, I don't remember, to be honest with I you. I believe it was. I thought it was Tuesday, but I don't know. So here we launched our marketing company that day. Yeah. Officially. And it was New Year's Day, I think. No, it was right after New Year's. New Year's, Year's Day was, was when was I went in, after, which was Saturday. It was the first work day of the New Year, excuse yeah. me. So 
here's where I'll tell you that uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but we honestly haven't. This is they told us, you know, it was hard to get. First off, no visitors, none, not a single one. We had mom's friend, one of our mom's friends, best friend Donna, sneak in, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. They wouldn't let family in, but they let the lady with the donuts come in. Yeah. Uh, she had donuts and was able to sneak, sneak in. Sneak is a little, she got there perfectly during shift change and the right. security guard let her in. Okay. Well, that's crazy. But I mean, dude, there was a point where, I mean, we were terrified. Like, yeah. I mean, nurses I know at the hospital weren't allowed to come check in on me. Right. Exactly. Just talk about like what that's, that pro- well, let's, let's recap the process thing and move on to like what it's done. You, they told us in your chart that you weren't going to make it mm-hmm. basically. Prepare for the worst. Yeah. Um, you had pneumonia, you have asthma, mm-hmm. you have all these other things. You, you, it was like a perfect storm. Yeah. And pneumonia really bad because you couldn't catch your breath. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was in both lungs and basically with the COVID, I was like 80% full lungs of, of pneumonia. Yeah. Crazy. So w- anyway, so you almost died and by God's grace, really survived. Like yeah. we had this, I think you talked, has mom explained the prayer session we had? It was crazy. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of listeners aren't, you know, maybe not prayer people. We, we are, we had this group of people come and pray. It was a, a ragtag mm-hmm. miscellaneous group. And like, that's when you started turning. It was yeah. like six hours after that, Yeah. that you started getting better. But anyways, you're out of the hospital. Let's fast forward. Uh, what you have, you have said to me, that you literally were physically in a coma, yeah, but spiritually and mentally awake. Yeah. Explain what that's like because every time I tell people they get chills. Yeah. It was it was slow. So it took my brain along about two days to kind of figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see color. So if you walked in front of my field of vision, I could see a shadow, but I couldn't see anything. Crazy. Um, I could see like the colors orange and it was it honestly looked like a kaleidoscope with just orange and yellow. Okay. And then I could see shadows in front of my vision. But your eyes were closed, were they not? I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think so, but I don't think I could, I couldn't see anything clearly. Um, and then I could hear everything everything. Mm -hmm. when I was cognizant. I mean, there were times I was asleep, but yeah, I could hear everything. And what was that like? Like you, you, you expressed to me, it was one of the most agonizing pains you've ever felt. It was the first two days when my brain was trying to figure, like make a decision because your brain is fighting to figure out what's going on. Um, I, my first thought was honestly, I thought the Catholics were right and I'd been in purgatory because mm. as Southern Baptists, <laughs> as Southern Baptists, we think we die, we go to heaven. And so I, I thought I was dead and I was like, what is this kaleidoscope orange room? Oh, the Catholics are right. We missed it. Um, crazy. It, it wasn't until my, my brain and my ears connected, you know, that I real I could hear the doctors and understood, oh, I've had a medical emergency. Something must be going on. Um, but those two days before I figured that out were torture. I mean, it was, had no idea what was going on. Um, thought I was quite literally dead, Mm. um, was begging God internally to bring me out of what I thought was purgatory. Um, was, I mean, begging for death Mm. just cause I was so confused. Um, yeah, those two days were not fun. Uh, I can imagine. What was it like when they told you that you were going to be put under? Um, I don't remember that. How scared were you? Yeah, there was, apparently that whole, I'd had a whole conversation with the doctor. Um, I don't remember that day. That's the only time I really blacked out. Do you remember um, how, like, was there a point before that you were really scared? Yeah, I remember one 
and it was when I was in my coma, but the, the doctors were trained to still tell you what they're going to be doing to you, even if you can't respond. Um, and so there was one procedure I remember that they told me they were going to do that terrified me is when they were going to um, the called the bronchoscopy, yeah. which is basically they stick a vacuum into your lungs and, and try to suck get out the stuff. Yeah, that terrified me because I in you my were asleep already when they told you that from what I remember. Gosh, that's um, but I in my head I'm imagining a literal vacuum being shoved down my throat. <laughs> it's like I didn't this know that. doesn't sound real. It sort of was that. Yeah. Um, so they. You know, we knew that if you made it 48 hours and yeah. you were stable, you had a, not an okay chance, but at least a fighting chance. Yeah. Dude, those 48 hours just for me were like crazy. You know, I'm not, this is not about me, but to, 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 well, that, honestly, to not it's experience weird it, yeah. COVID and then it to be your brother who's yeah. 27 years old. Yeah. I honestly feel bad sometimes because I feel like it was harder on the people around me because I wasn't aware like awake to y'all experienced it more than i did in terms of the reality yeah and i'm not really a big crier but i mean i wept for two days because i'm trying to explain to the listeners what it's like it's not like crying like a movie it's like because we couldn't do anything it's a helplessness not a hopelessness we have helpless helpless couldn't go didn't get answers didn't know what you were doing um Anyways, by God's grace, you came out of it. Tell the funny story about how the the woman um, who listened to rap music at night, the nurse. Yeah. Talk about so that. the only way – I didn't know how long I'd been in there. For all I know, I'd been in coma for months versus days versus minutes. The only way I could figure out some sort of time was during the day they had Christian music playing. The night shift nurse would turn it off and turn on Snoop Dogg. very explicit <laughs> what I would call strip club music. Uh <laughs> And that was the only way I could decipher <laughs> some sort of time passage. Thank like, oh, God for the strip yeah. club music. Yeah, it's that so really, I mean, that was my only, it's like, oh, at least I know it's nighttime now. That's so funny. Yeah. Still don't know how long it had been, but I could tell, oh, it's night now. This strip music's on. All right, so fast forward to like, that's so funny. Um, you remember when they woke you up? What was your first yeah. thought? What was that like? <laughs> funny enough, because uh, your brain d- makes all sort of weird decisions when it's trying to decipher new stuff. Mm-hmm. When I came out of it, my first thought that I was on a fishing vessel. <laughs> a fishing vessel? Because my brain could not process what the room I was in looked like. And so <laughs> the, at the hospital, it's this huge wall of windows, yeah. and I was looking at the you sky. You were on a cruise ship. Yeah, I mean, I, I, all I saw was a blue sky. Um, the bed they had me was really high up, so I was yeah. close to the ceiling. So my thought was, oh, low ceilings, I'm on a fishing boat. That must be... <laughs> I don't know why, but that's where I'm it's at. It's funny now. That was my first thought. And um, then you were upset they wouldn't give you water. God, that was killer. That was worse, honestly, than being in the coma. <laughs> so thirsty. Yeah, there's a there's a rule when you've been intubated, which when they have that tube down your throat, is um, you've got to pass a swallow test first so that you don't choke and die, basically. Sure, you haven't done it um, for seven days. Yeah, and so it's a 24-hour rule, but the hospital's so slammed with COVID patients, the doctor was almost a full day getting there. And so I went two full days just about without having anything to drink. They didn't give you like ice to chew on or no, something? No, couldn't. No. Oh my God. Um, I mean, I was, I was on an IV, so I wasn't dehydrated in a physical but your sense. Throat. Yeah, it was awful. That's terrible. Yeah. What is this experience like? Yeah. Have you been able to, to yet um, process? I mean, no, to be honest. No. Because um, you kind of, you know, you hop back. This is what people don't realize, and this is kind of why I wanted you on the show, yeah. is you're basically, you are self-employed. Yeah, fully. And the second you went into the hospital, your business that you've spent three, four years working your tail off to yeah. build, I'm not going to say it's in jeopardy, 
but it's like up in the air. Yeah, I'm very, very blessed in that um, I have a phenomenal broker. Imagine if you didn't have a mom on your team. Yeah, so mom is our, my helper. She's on um, the team. She's a real estate agent. And she was, they actually had COVID also. There yeah. just wasn't life-threatening, yeah. Um, she was smart enough to call my broker. So I'm self-employed, but I technically have a boss. Yeah, it's like a franchise. It's a franchise, yeah. yeah I've, got, franchisee. I've got someone I report to, yeah. but I'm solo. Yeah. Um, he ran my business for me while I was gone. Um, praise God to him. I mean, I there were a couple of clients when I came out of it who had were being honest with me and said, hey, we were getting ready to move realtor because sure. they can't wait for me. You know, who no. knows? Um, yeah, that was... Well, yeah, so you haven't been able to process it all. Like, tell me the thing that uh, coming out of this that you take away. Um, about business, about life, business, yeah, whatever. I think one of the things I realized is, um, just the idea that in a very cliche way, time is precious. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a workaholic. It's a, it's a weird storm where I'm a workaholic and I happen to love my job. So it's easy for me to get can dedicate my entire schedule to work because I like what I do. Right. Um, but just realizing the, the finiteness of time, um, yeah. that's not, that's not healthy. Even if I enjoy it, you know, you can enjoy being unhealthy and that doesn't make it healthy. Right. Um, and so just that, I mean, that's like, I, there were two weeks, really about a month where I wasn't working and the world still turned and people still, um, you know, I still existed and survived and, um, it's yeah. that is that's a great point because I've been saying recently about um some uh, you know business that if it were to close or burn down it would have been worth it type thing just it, if you have a good one yeah and for America specifically for our people from other countries we have this weird thing with work that we feel like the world can't operate without us or yeah. our world can't operate without us working but absolutely it can and at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. The Gen Z's coined that as the main character problem, as we all think we're the main character of uh, everyone else's reality. Okay. Um, and so mm-hmm. I am the main character. Without me, this ship doesn't run. Without right. me, this business falls to pieces. Mm-hmm. Without me, the world's going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an unhealthy ideal. <laughs> that makes sense, though. Yeah. So, and then, like, kind of internally, like, what do you, what changes do you feel like not that you needed to make, but that you are going to make because of the result of this experience. Yeah. What's something you like taking away from it as a uh, changing thing? From a business perspective, I've yeah. got to get some systems in place. Yeah. Because um, the reality is my business does only run because of my capa- my high capacity, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I mean, I'm a high capacity individual. Maybe like a virtual assistant yeah, or something like that. Yeah, a virtual assistant, setting up some automatic email systems, setting up some automatic communications with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the idea that not being on call 24 seven. Yeah. Well, the idea like sarcastic, but not is if I'm in a coma, my business doesn't <laughs> exist, should not be, you know, like, <laughs> you hope as a business owner too soon, man, yeah, like, too soon. But jokes aside, if you went into oh a coma tomorrow, God. trifecta would still show up to work tomorrow. It would. I don't it, have that. It only, but just being transparent, we've only really gotten here in the last like six months. Yeah. And, like it could have run. But it would have like slowly burned. Yeah. Now it wouldn't. It would. It would be able to run. Yeah. Okay. That's where um, I'm not yet. Yeah. But yeah. Well, you. you know. And it's hard because I have a direct sales job. But it, it. That's what's hard is you're a transactional business mm-hmm. where 
the this sale it doesn't lead to another yeah. business and ours is you know regular so it's that's a challenge but there's so many people listening right now mm-hmm. that have businesses like that where each lead is the next one yeah they have to make the next one the next one and I tell people the majority of my job is is um, networking and business mm. searching it's not actually sales wow yeah that's great. I'm a I'm a customer service job and then a and then a connection networking job I love that I know you, we were short on time because you have to go to your your physical therapy for this um yeah so then the, that was the business side then talk about just like if anyone's listening and they're having a hard time with understanding a not I don't like the word work-life balance because yeah. there is no balance it's not but a work life uh, putting in its proper place yeah what would you tell that person that's working 80 hours and they don't see their kids but to kiss them and hug them um so well specifically if, if you if you're miserable in your life that's a problem. Yeah. Um, as believers, we weren't made to be miserable. You know, obviously there's going to be trials and everything, but we were meant to have a full life, enjoy and enjoy our families and be yeah. present with our families. Um, so if you're doing that and you're miserable, stop it. Just mm. stop. Um, again, with me is I enjoy working all the time. Um, so the person who enjoys is the hardest. Yeah. I mean, what that's, would you tell that person? Um, it's not my kind of my mantra that I've been working on the last year is, um, being, it's not selfish to focus on yourself. Oh, that's so good. Um, that's just there. It's not, and there's there's got to be a time where you say, "Hey, this is just for me. It's not for my clients. It's not because I'm trying to build business from. This is just something that's good for me, and that doesn't make it a selfish decision." Dude, that's so good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going somewhere soon. I'm trying not to say because my wife wants me to stop telling everywhere where I'm going. <laughs> and uh, for I actually, all the paparazzi, right? <laughs> no, no, for other personal reasons, but. Um, I'm going a day earlier than I thought so that I can have a self day. Mm-hmm. And I'm not normally like that because I really like being with people. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't agree more. Like, it's, man, it's not selfish to think about yourself because you're no good to anybody. Correct. If, if you're out of gas. Uh, we talk about this on the show sometimes as an analogy, Zach. You might like this. It doesn't matter if you have a Lamborghini if you can't get if you can't drive it. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're a great driver and have a Lamborghini if you don't have gas. Yeah. So like, I think the car is a perfect example, um, or vice versa. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you uh, have a great a Lamborghini without a motor. Like, if you're not smart enough to make sure you have the thing you yeah. need. So that's great stuff, man. Well, Zach, I, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Tell people where they can find you on social media and uh, email or something like that if they're interested. If they're in the Greater Columbia market looking for a realtor, that's you. Um, if they're realtors looking for real estate advice, that's you. So where, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. On Facebook, it's the Kirby team because I do have, I'm an assistant. Mm-hmm. It's the Kirby team at Nexone Specialist. Um, on Instagram, you can just find me at Zach Kirby um, at Nexone Specialists. We'll tag you and everything. Yeah. Um, and then my website, ZachKirby.com. Zach with an H. Zach with an Zach, not with a yeah. K. Um, man, thank you so much for being on the show today, Zach. This is... Uh, this has been pretty awesome. So yeah, thanks, thanks for having for your, me. You're welcome, bro. Anyways, guys, this is the Down to Business Podcast. We'll see you next time. Make sure we need, you, we need some Apple reviews. Uh, so please make, leave us a review. Make sure um, you, you hit us up. Anything you're thinking about talking through when it comes to business, finance, and marketing, go check us out at puremarketingteam.com for any marketing needs you have. And have a great rest of your day.